What's going on, savages? How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach, your papa, Daddy Jeff, Daddy Jost, the ghost with the most. How on earth are we, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you're staying safe. I know this coronavirus is, it seems like it's almost over. It's not quite yet there. Be careful. Keep washing those hands. Keep wearing those masks. Stay away from people. Socially distance yourself, etc., etc., etc. First of all, before we get started, big shout out to all of the brand new patrons. Holy moly. The support over the last two months has been incredible. We have jumped in a, a massive way in terms of support I'm getting from the viewers. And I want to give a shout out to all of the following. Uh, big shout out to our new patrons, Kenneth John McNitt, Marcus Fleming, Tim Piper, Dustin Porter, Frizzcast, The Punisher, 8242, Rage Gaming Inc., John Tully, Austin Anthony, Geek Gaming, and Jesse Lotter. Also, a shout out to the savages themselves. These are the $50 patrons, Dan Lloyd, Siggy Riggy, Marcus Fleming, and Minotaur Pink. I appreciate you guys. I love you. And uh, you're beautiful. Yes, kisses on all of your cheeks. All four of your cheeks receive kisses from my lips. Uh, big shout out as well to cbdeeper.com, our wonderful sponsor. If you uh, are feeling a little anxious right now, maybe uh, finding it hard to relax, maybe you're not sleeping well, perhaps you're feeling some aches and pains, or maybe you have an ailment like Parkinson's. It has been proven that CBD products will help you reduce that stress, calm your body down, give you that body high without the head high of marijuana or THC products. CBDPA, all of their products are made in Southern Oregon, homegrown out there in the sunshine. They're beautiful hemp products, 100% natural hemp, no pesticides. Um, all of their tests that are done on their products are done at CannaSafe Labs, uh, FDA-approved CannaSafe Labs. They prove that there's no vitamin E in any of these products, there's no heavy metals, and there are no pesticides. So you know you're getting a clean, beautiful product. On top of that, as if that was a good enough. Currently, for half grams, they're only charging $15, and for full grams, $25. And what's more, if you use code SAVAGE, that's S-A-V-A-G-E, at checkout, you'll receive an extra 10% off every single one of your orders. So go and support them. That supports us. We get some love. Everyone sits together, smokes a little CBD, holds each other's hands, tickles each other's balls, whatever you fancy. Get it done. CBDeeper.com. Use code SAVAGE for 10% off. Lovely jubbly. Right, ladies and gentlemen, over to my wonderful guest, um, the the face of an angel, the body of a devil, and the voice of a born-again god. It's there Mr. Is. Cody Ballou, ladies and gentlemen. Um, That's right. Singer, songwriter, uh, star of The Voice, and also mm-hmm. friend, new friend. Also, landscaper, apparently, according to the beautiful things that you're Listen, doing in your garden right now. I, um, you can encompass all that by just saying hustler. Because hustler? if it needs to be done and I have to pay for it out of pocket, I'm just going to do it myself. You're it's a, home ma- a homemaker, though. Home mm-hmm. owner, geez, Louise, even more impressive. Yeah, with that youthful. I'll face just take of yours. take it all. Um, do you? Is your last name isn't Savage? It's Leech. No, it's Leech. There you go. So you don't know my name either. It's so it's fine. It's fine. My momentary. Well, here's the thing. Cock up is because uh, my 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 boo thing is 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 Savage, and so I thought, wow, if this is a full circle moment, and Amanda and I are both stooping savage. savages. Well, my Ooh. sister and I are both uh, are madly in love with uh, Browns. Amanda's surname is Brown, and my brother-in-law's okay. name is Brown as well. So my sister's name is Brown too. So Browns wow. all over. Three quarters Browns now. And you're talking to a blue. And I'm talking to a well, blue, blue, blue. It's it's B E L E W though, isn't it? So it's yeah, it's kind of got a little. Right. It's got a little southern twang, a little blue. It's, it's got a little lilt. A little blue. They, they, they say it's French, but I I don't know. Yeah, I can see a little French in you. You got a you got a kind of mm-hmm. uh, a Gallic a Gallic uh, face. The the high cheekbones, mm-hmm. the full lips. That's quite a French. When look. I did my ancestry.com DNA test, I was really gunning for Greek. I mean, I wanted Greek so bad. Yeah, you say that just, now, but then when you, I'm, I'm Greek Macedonian. That's the other half of me is Greek Macedonian. And mate, it's a constant battle to ensure that I'm not a disgustingly hairy beast at all times. Mm. Are you Greek? Greek Macedonian is my mum's side. Yeah, Rom- Romanian oh. Greek Macedonian is my is my mum's side. And it's all hair. It's a lot yeah. of hair, and I, I maintain, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have like a uh-huh. really hairy back or anything, but I do get a little sprinkling on the shoulders. I have to take care of that little patch just okay. above the ass crack as well. You know, you got to. Hmm? Oh, you've got an an ass patch. A little, just above, just a little bit, not a lot, just a little uh-huh. sprinkling, but enough to be annoying and irritating. And if you were full uh-huh. on Greek, you'd be walking around all day, every day, 
going, what do I do with all this? How do I, how do you I? Know, how- that's a good, that's a good point. Not to, not to say that's a negative, but for me, I would probably have a problem with that. So. Well, I'm looking at your face and I'm looking at your question. chest and I'm seeing that you're a well, mm-hmm. a well manscaped individual. So well, no, once you start going down, it gets wild and unruly like that Dixie chick song. <laughs> there you go. So by the time you get to the uh-huh. groin area, it's just a mess. Just an absolute. It's just forest. a 70s full on carpet. Okay, nice. Yeah. Well, listen, we know each other, obviously, through uh, our, our mutual connection, which is my wonderful girlfriend, your dear friend, Amanda Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you guys were both on The Voice. Um, yes. On, I, I obviously, prior to this, I went and I watched a few of your performances. Apart from the Jolene performance you did, the, the rendition of Dolly Parton's Jolene. Frozen. Oh, have I? Oh, I'm, oh, it's all right. It might come back. It'll come back. Why is it frozen? Why are you frozen? Oh, there he is. He's back. Can you see me again? There we are. There we go. Sorry, so go back to what you said about. I was going to say, apart from the, um, apart from the, I, I went back and watched all of your different uh, performances. Obviously, that mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're having some internet trouble a little bit, aren't we? Wonder it's why. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe Zoom is being a little unstable. I think it could be that. Could be Zoom going a little bit unstable right now. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I wonder if we're still up on the stream. I'm going to have to roll with the punches. We'll have to give it a go. I think it was just a momentary lapse. Okay. The internet has been dodgy during right. this corona period. Apart from mm-hmm. the rendition of Jolene you did, the um, mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, well, I guess Dolly Parton made it famous. Was it originally her song? All her song. All her song. Okay. The version that I did was the White Stripes version. Right. So apart from that that um, song, singing that song, you actually didn't do very much country music on the when you were on The Voice. No, and I'll tell you why. I'll try to keep it short, but I had li- moved to Nashville and was living here for a year when the show called. Or not a year. It was like six months. And I had already figured out that I what I thought I was going to do by moving here and being like, you know, he's gay, but he's not... Uh, flaming homosexual gay. I thought I was just going to be able to just naturally insert myself into the conversation of, of country music as myself and not have to really do like a big dance around the gay thing. But then I figured out that no, back in 2011, this town was still very much like, we don't talk about that and you don't mention it and you're not going to work here. And so I knew when I did the show I plan to go pretty far because why do it otherwise? And I just thought I can't do country music on the show because I can't go home and do country music. So it's not going to be a viable choice. And so then I thought, well, the next best thing for me to do is to try to sort of get into the George Michael saddle, which he's been trying to get me in that saddle for years. Yeah. And he's still trying beyond the grave. He's still like beyond the grave haunting you at night. And um, I just thought, you know, that's, I can naturally do that. Let's say the show really was a platform that I could launch off of. That's something that I could really naturally do. And so I just went after that sort of the, the male pop star, that sort of um, androgynous and, and bends the lines. That's that, that was my goal. It's such a shame for me to hear that, though. It's, it's, it's sad to hear that some... Because your your voice, as now, you make a lot of country music, actually, as a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. And, and you have a beautiful voice for country music. It really lends itself to it outside of your, your southern twang. I think also, right. you know, just vocally, you clearly excel at that genre of music. It's still the most listened to genre of music in the US. And when we look at now artists like um, Little Nas X, who, you know, is a, is a young gay man going into country and hip hop, which, you know, are both mm-hmm. have previously been very unforgiving to the gay community. Um, and certainly the black community on the, on the countryside as well. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to, you know, to hear that fears of, being uh, being misrepresented or or not feeling like you could actually have a career singing that kind of music simply because of your sexuality i'm 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 just a little i'm i'm saddened to hear that i'm disheartened to hear that but i'm glad to see that that's no longer the case that now you are making the music that you want to make within the genre that you that you love clearly well and it's we'll still we still don't know if it's going to work uh commercially like i i don't know if it's going to be viable but at, at a certain point I kept hitting these dead ends because I just wasn't allowing myself to be authentic 
out of fear. Right. And so when I finally let go of that and just thought, you know what, fuck this, I'm just going to do what I need to do. And if it doesn't work, it won't be because I was scared. It'll just be because bigotry was bigger than me at that certain that time. Absolutely. But it, you know, it's making huge strides. And the fact that, I mean, I never in 9 million years saw Lil Nas X coming right. um, onto the scene. I mean, I don't think he even saw that happening the way that it happened. But, um, you know. I, I wonder how many li- artists within the hip hop genre. Uh, I mean, there's got to be a lot of, a lot of um, you know, closeted homosexuals, I think, in rap music and hip hop mm-hmm. music who still don't feel comfortable coming out, you know. But mm-hmm. now that, you know, a couple of different guys have very publicly done that, I, I hope to see that as there's a bit of a shift in that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, there is so much music out there in, in the gay community that doesn't get, that that represents all the genres, but it lives in that bubble of sure. the gay community that um, I think we're we're really close to to chipping out of that. Um, I'm not like a rainbow flag waving everybody look at me because I'm gay kind of guy, but I definitely have like I have never written a song that had she and him pronouns in it. Okay. That's always yeah. been you and us and they. Yeah. Because I I felt like well if I'm gonna write it from my point of view I can't lie and put a girl in it because never been with a girl. I'm what you call a platinum gay. There you go. Yeah. For a five star, five star sealed, signed, mm-hmm. seal of approval, wax stamped, mm-hmm. untouched, untouched mm. by femininity. Hardcore, I guess I'm not platinum. Original I'm, I'm game. A, I'm a gold star because I was um, delivered through the vagin. The, the, oh, the, I see. You the have to be. <laughs> so you have to be a C-section to be a platinum. To guy. be platinum. That's right. That means you've never seen or touched a vagina. That's right. But I tell you, on the way out, I'm sure I was balled up like a fit. I didn't want to touch any any part of that. I like the idea that just as a little baby fetus, as you came out of the vagina, you were just yeah. screaming the whole way. No! Yeah, it was a very traumatic experience. <laughs> it wasn't joy-filled for me. <laughs> I um I think I think there's I don't know look we we know that the last um how long ago was your voice appearance actually it was a few years ago right six, six seven it was years like ago? 1992 when Amanda and I did it easy um, it was about I seven think it years was ago, 2012 it? yeah yeah 2012 okay. so it's been a few years and I know a lot a lot has changed globally anyway in terms of just mm-hmm. in the last decades you know so so we've become infinitely more progressive infinitely more open to different sexualities different uh different genders you know it's it's, it's been a period of change. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens when you release the new music as, you know, being comfortable in yourself, making the music that you want to make. But I also think that you, there's nothing wrong with not including, you know, male pronouns in the in the song lyrics that, you, that you're writing. Because you are not, you're not just writing for the gay audience. You're exactly. writing for an audience of people who want to identify and empathize with heartbreak or want to mm-hmm. relate to you uh, in terms of being in love, madly in love with someone or, or fears. It, it's the best music is universal. Exactly. And so for me, um, I just always have done it that way. Um, but mostly because I wanted the listener. It's, it's a very intimate experience listening to music because you're typically doing it alone, you know, and now more than ever, you're doing it in your own head because you're you're plugged in up here, not sure. in in the room. And so, for me to write a song that is about you, me, us, then it 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 closes in that gap of focus to be just the experience of the listener, whether it's a she or a him or a a horse. Which, hey, do what you got to do. Are you are you happy for the opportunity that you you had going on to the voice, or do you do you look back on that experience and with any frustrations at all? Because I I think I think they're quite regimented in terms of what they allow the talent to actually do and how they you know the song choices, the performance sure. elements. Um, I think well, what you have to understand when you do that type of format television is that you have you're a character and you have an arc and some of those arcs are short and some of those are long 
and they try to build those as as a production, you know, to engage the audience. And I understood all that going into it, but for some reason, Amanda and I were on the same page. Um, we didn't plan this, but we both went into it refusing to have a, like a sob story, um, which they really want everyone to have. Oh, and I, I just, know that firsthand. I did, I did a, a Britain's yeah. Got Talent. They they asked me to come on and do stand up after my TV hosting days, and okay. uh, they wanted me to do the same thing to tell a story of how oh. TV presented didn't work out for me and this is my last chance to entertain and blah, blah. I was like, that's not the case. I left TV presenting work behind because it didn't stimulate me like uh-huh. live performance did. So I walked away from my jobs, you know, and it's and, and they were like, yeah. Yeah, 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 but if you could, you know, and I'm like, listen, I know what you're trying to do, but it's not truthful. Right, and for me, it was going to pull focus because then I, I said I didn't want them to play the gay card and I didn't want to have a sob story. I just wanted to entertain and mm-hmm. put on a good show. And so that made it harder for them to stretch my arc. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I could You should feel... have been sad about the fact that you love cock. I that know. should have been a sadness in your heart. I know. Everyone in my and hometown, so I... they don't accept me anymore because I love cock. And that's really hard for me. <laughs> that, would, that would be your sub story. I found it yeah, really hard coming out. I found it hard coming out to my parents because they are Baptists and they're very serious religious people. Yeah, all that. that that's true. have you been reading in my my diary? <laughs> I've been reading your your, like, your journal. Yeah, I've read your um, I've read your grinder blog. It's 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 yeah. Uh, it's Ooh, I wish I could pull that old grinder blog up. That was a good blog. Um, but instead of all that, I chose the way I chose to do it. And it made it to where there was a little bit of a conflict between myself and production towards the end because they wanted me to go like three weeks before I I went home. (laughs) And so they kept trying to give me songs that were clearly fall on your sword songs. Sure. And I just refused to do it that way. And so. So did you actually have choices in the the songs that you were singing then? You were given some level of choice. I, I chose one song. I chose Crazy in Love by Beyonce okay. because that was the real week that the curtain was pulled back. And they were like, listen, CeeLo, your coach, he really just wants you to do this song by One Republic, Too Late to Apologize. And I said, listen, if you want me to go home, send me home. But I'm not going to do it by some sort of default, like sacrificial thing, because you give me a song that's forgettable and boring. I'm yeah. going to go out my way and so they were like well what would you do and I said that one and so that week I had full control of my experience and I stayed another week because they couldn't deny that I had done something so you know crazy that the audience at home liked it I wonder how different the results would be on those kind of programs if that were the case if the the talents were given that creative creative control because I understand like from a production point of view you know they go all right well we need dancers and we need you know Mm -hmm. this and we need the stage performance and we want that all, all of the lights and the glamour and the glitz so I get that but when someone is singing, like one of Amanda's performances I watched, for instance, she's singing this beautiful song and it's very it's very engaging. It would have been so much more beautiful if it was just her in a spot, you know, with some kind of maybe some slower performance. Instead, they had all these like hip hop dancers doing backflips and shit for a rock mm-hmm. song. It was just like, what the fuck is this? This is, And, you know, all yeah. of those choices were made by producers, not by her, clearly. And I'm sure, you know... And I also think there's an element where there's probably a lot of people on those shows who are already being developed by either the judges, labels, or the networks. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, look, Cody's great. He's a talent. But, you know, Sarah, whatever, has to win it because, you know, she's already signed to Sony and they're backing this with money and whatever the fuck it is. Right. Whenever we realized that the top, the two people that we felt like were getting the most of the, like, love and attention were also had been signed to the record label behind the show and were shelved artists that they were plugging back into the mix. We all knew then that we just had to hang on as long as we could because sure. we were just supporting actors at that point. But also but, that's, um, they still had served a purpose, right? It built a fan base. It built a, a you Oh, know. for sure. Yeah, like I, I still haven't seen the full scope of what I've not tapped into the, the audience that I built to the to the max because um they're so far 
far flung. They're just everywhere. They're all over the planet. And some, I mean, I'll never reach them all. Um, so in some ways it's kind of like, a it's troubling because you have this audience that you'd love to capitalize mm -hmm. on, but you can't cause you know, how do you get to all of them? Um, but that's a first world problem. Well, I mean, I see that you've got decent followings on all the social media. So, you know, people mm -hmm. are people are there and they are ready to hear to hear new music. That's just for tits and ass, though. They're not there <laughs> for music. Really? If you show if you show a titty shot or just a little bit of booty, I mean, you get all kinds of love. But the minute you start singing, they start you start losing followers. That's that's I don't know if that's the same for me. Actually, you know what? Actually, mm -hmm. I will say that there's a similarity for comedians and for comedy talent and, and actors, of course. I mean, actors, it's very much, you know, it's celebrity and fame that follows yeah. them. So it's not, oh, yeah, you were incredible in this role. I'm sure there's some fans who do support that. But a lot of people would just be like, oh, I just saw you as the lead in this movie and now I'm following you because you're Brad Pitt. You know, that's the mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but for a comedian, I do notice that when I post a photo of myself on a hike with my shirt mm -hmm. off in the sunshine, looking nice on my Instagram, 600 likes, right? But then mm -hmm. if I post, hey guys, here's a little comedy clip, blah, 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 you know, exactly. or it goes with, you know, a, a fifth, a fifth of the engagement, if I'm lucky, you know, because people just, I don't know. That's it, the curse of being desperately good looking like you and I, it's hard. Well, have, have you found that, um, like a, not, the, you didn't give me even any laughter, nothing to acknowledge that that was a joke. You were just like, "Yeah, that sounds about right." Yes, we are. No, that's the mentioned. truth. Why would I want to laugh about what God <laughs> gave? Me? Um, so I'm having a little trouble with how just inundated social media is with all these people being singers right. and like, "Hey, check out my latest single." Hey, give money to my this. Hey, buy my that. And it's making me feel disgusting. Like, how do you navigate those waters? I mean, the, the equivalent, I guess, for me would be like yeah. YouTube comedians or people making short skits on Instagram, you know, like a 15 second right. clip or a TikTok, per, someone blowing up on TikTok and then Ellen puts them on their show and goes, and you're going to be touring a show, right? You're going to be doing some comedy on tour. But I think those things... I don't. I used to get very angry and frustrated about those things, and there are moments where I still do. I still see, um, I see uh, money, opportunity, and fame being given to people with very minimal to zero talent. Um, right. But I also hope, and this is what I kind of what keeps me um, focused more on what I'm doing rather than what they're up to, is. First of all, I, that's what I should be doing. I should be. I just should be working on my shit. Doesn't matter what happens with other people. And also, I hope and I believe that uh, time will tell. Like, there's those kind of people. They blow up. They, they they do a funny video on Instagram and it gets millions of views and they become a viral mm -hmm. success. Then they the people go, well, they're pretty nice looking as well. Maybe we can stick them in this TV show and they have a bit part. And then they do a little thing and then they try and go on a tour and it's an hour show and 55 minutes of it is them just awkwardly talking to an audience or trying to, or having their friends come on stage and dance because they can't do an hour of comedy because they've not even done fucking 15 minutes in a club, in a professional club. And they don't know how to do that skill. And I believe that over time, people realize, oh, this is dog shit. And they lose that audience. You know, it's a, it's a time thing. Yeah. People will so be you're, very you're of the cream always rises to the top. Mentality. I'm of the, not just the cream always rises to the top. The, yes, there's an element to that. But the more, uh, I'd rather be the cream with a long shelf life. Yeah. That takes a little longer to get used in the recipe. Like, okay, if it, you know, it, I, I would rather be an immense success by the age of 40 and then continue to have a career until I'm 95 and too old to walk around in front of a camera anymore. Mm -hmm. Then um, have had two great years where I was absolutely insanely successful and then people realize I wasn't shit and then I spend the rest of my life going, you remember me, right? I was that guy from the uh, the uh, the, the uh, uh, video. Remember that one? Uh -huh. Remember the uh, uh, video? That was me. That was me. I'm that guy. You know what I mean? Getting right. booked for personal appearances at like fifty-year-olds' birthday parties, going, "Hey, I booked the, the, the guy." <laughs> oh wow, that's kind of. If you weird do that cool. one more time, you're gonna be the uh, uh guy. That's what you're gonna be. 
<laughs> You're right. I, that that could be my claim to fame. Fuck it, I'll take the followers. We'll do that. But yeah, it's, it's true, right? Is there, there's like I think real as you as you um like as you said as you traverse the waves of success, the ups and downs, the peaks, the troughs, the the setbacks, the the momentary feelings of I'm making it, it's happening, it's happening, and then oh shit, now I'm two steps back. How do I get back there? As you do all of that, if you can sit back honestly every year and reflect on the last year of work and say, I did some good things, I continue to develop my talent, and I still have a career. And I'm on, for instance, I'm on year 12 of TV, comedy, film work. Like, that's still happening for me, 12 years in. Now, I'm not a household name yet. And I realized that night after today, of, though, after today, sure. I'm the it's going to be it's going to be two movies. The first one will be You're great. Be the second on one's going to be Dr. awful. Pepper commercial. Like exactly. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> a sweet, cool million in the bank. I'll take it. But you know what I mean? There's, yeah. I, I think I think what um, we have to do is we as we move into our 30s and then eventually into our 40s is go. I have had a longevity of success and of career opportunity. Like I'm not a multi-millionaire household name yet. I believe that's still to come for me, but mm-hmm. I I'm doing good things, I'm creating good things and I'm now even more focused on using that platform to do better shit with my life, like, you know, inspire yeah. people, cheer people up, help them through depression is a big thing for me sharing my mm-hmm. depression has helped other people with depression so so you reassess what it means to be a success story you know for a young person it's very much about clout and money how many people know you how many people follow you on social media and how much money do you make if you're a mil- if you've got a million in the bank and you got uh you know 250,000 followers on Instagram and uh you know th- th- and you're th- dating th- Amanda Brown then you're a success story, right? So I've got one of the mm-hmm. three. But then if yeah. you, you know, but whereas as a 36-year-old man, I look at success and go, well, success is I haven't had to have a normal job since I was 19 years of age. And I am always doing, I've kept a roof on my head doing creative work. And I have a nice army of followers now. And they're supportive and they believe in the stuff that I'm making. And they all keep saying to me, how are you not bigger? How is it not happening yet? You know, God, more people should know about you. And if people feel that way, I believe that's a precursor to it happening. And uh, and I can look at the last That's a good years. way to look at that. Because so, so often you just, you hear those people come up to you so many times saying, man, you why aren't you huge why you're 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 better than everyone or or whatever they say and you just get sort of immune to hearing it but that's a better way to look at it Mm -hmm. uh well because for years i'd be i'd say this is incredibly frustrating every time you're saying that i'm like i know i know how am i Uh not and now i'm going oh i know why not because i'm not 21 and if i were 21 Uh yeah and i had all this time i could be an immense success overnight and also because i'm not signed to that agent and that agent is working on those shows that would put me in that category and because i refuse to play the game of pretending like everything is always perfect on my social media instead i'm a little bit Uh more on it and blah 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 so i know the reasons why and then i go however i do think it's just waiting for that time when it's your time to be that level successful and then to have the 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 training over the years that you weren't and you were working towards that goal to be able to That's then maintain the success and maintain that creative, um, uh, creative success, you know, as you, as you, for sure. Forward. Yeah. If I'd blown up, look, I, I blew up on TV in the UK when I was young, a younger man, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, for a period of two years, I was famous in England and people knew who I was and stopped me on the street and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I fucking hated it. I wasn't prepared for that. I was still taking drugs mm-hmm. and drinking too much and being a bit of a fucking, and for everyone who loved me, there was one person who hated me, you know? And that wasn't, I'm glad that that kind of rounded off after a couple of years, partly my own choice and partly probably because I was a bit of a douchebag, like, you know. Yeah, I I, I tell people that the voice and the just um, thrust into being stopped everywhere I went, you know, was a really good boot camp for knowing how to, see celebrity for what it is later and accepting it, but not letting it consume me. 
There you go. And having my own existence outside of that, going to work and plugging into it, but then plugging out, like unplugging from it. And when mm-hmm. I go home and that's what I, that's, I hope that all of these years of navigating like the climb into it and then like this buck, the, the dragging myself out of it, which was, it's, it's a, a hairy beast of a thing that you, you watch people on television now, like these reality shows um, and people just are so unprepared and, and I feel like don't do it correctly. You know, they, they just lose themselves in it. Look at that um, Love Island, you know, uh, like the, uh, the, the host of Love Island, Caroline Flack, who I used to work with years ago. You know, we actually knew each other. We weren't close friends, but she's committed suicide because of the mm. pressures of tabloids. Um, she had a breakup with her, with her partner and there was case of domestic violence of her throwing something at his head like a vase at his head and, and the papers tore her apart for months and months and months mm. in the UK and she committed suicide she couldn't take it anymore and there's three separate contestants from that show who have committed suicide once the show is finished really? airing yeah yeah it's like pretty and I mean that's not the only case of this as we well know you know over the last few years I think there's been more and more cases of people who are thrust into the limelight and incredibly mm. unprepared to, to deal with that that celebrity, that status, that pressure, that that prying into your private life. Whereas uh, I feel like people like myself and your and yourself, you know, having dipped your toe in the water, enjoyed a little bit of mm-hmm. that, felt that, understood what it was, seen the, the positives and the negatives without people giving too much of a shit that they're trying to dig into everything in your personal life and really rip you apart. It means that now when it happens in the right way and at the right time for us, you will be prepared to go, okay, I know what I need to not put out there because that will exactly. that will cause this to happen and vice versa, you know? Yeah. I, I think I think it's maturity is is uh, and a sense of self is uh is mm-hmm. often not really in, in great abundance, especially amongst a, a younger generation. And I, and I feel terrified for these kids who become overnight successes, these children, children, some of them yeah, on like fucking Instagram if, or if TikTok. I, if I had had these platforms that they have now when I was a kid and I just, instead I had like three channels on a television. That's all. That was my window in, into the world. Um, I, I would, who knows? I would be such, such a little fuck. I, I can't imagine how I would have come out of that better off, you know, um, because they're just, and they're so over-sexualized to be so young, you know, Instagram and all of that, you see all these little kids trying to get like six packs and things to gain followers. And it's just like, that's not the way you get a daddy. You have to go to the bars for that. <laughs> <laughs> Come gutters won't cut it. You gotta, you gotta get that's out right. there and be seen. You gotta have some <laughs> chat as well. Um, how are you? How are you dealing with your quarantine? Crazy. I, I, I know you've shown me around your beautiful garden via the via the FaceTime and the Zoom, and it. Yeah. Um. I. Well, I've always been, um, the type of person to build my own oasis. I don't really need to go places. Um. To, kind of to my own detriment. I I'm very well suited to just be around my own house. And so are you, are you anxious all, around lots of people? Do you, do you find those kind of environments? I do get, uncomfortable? And not just because of the, the pandemic stuff, but um, I found as I got older and in entertainment too, I'm very much comfortable on the stage where I feel like I'm in control of the situation mm-hmm. and the bigger the audience, the better. But as soon as I'm in a, a space where I'm in the audience and I'm in a big crowd, I do not like that. And I don't like big parties. I rather I would rather have like one to two people at a time, no trains, no gangbangs, um, just intimacy at its finest around my house. But yeah, so I've I've created um, my own little escape here that I don't really have to leave. And so the in fact at seven a.m. the dump truck arrived with my um, vegetable garden soil. Okay. And dumped it out for my new beds that I just built. In and the garden the where you are... just built a beautiful shed at the end of it with repurposed mm-hmm. wood and glass. Mm-hmm. You got a chicken coop. You're yeah, very chicken much coop. a juxtap- like a lovely juxtaposition of characters. 
because yeah. they they you know the 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 Ofei, um you know a gay young gay man kind of you know there's a, a, a small element of effeminacy in the in the mm-hmm. styling or the voice even vocally but then mm-hmm. yet you're very much a southern man who gets his hands dirty yeah. and digs up a garden and i know, think like. that's because i grew up on a little farm i mean we had we had like 11 acres my parents actually just sold it last week on thursday i'm gonna go home to see it for the last time that's gonna be tearful. but it's that's gonna be a tear yeah experience. it's gonna be like the snotty stuff um but anyway we carved our farm out of a giant thicket it didn't exist before it was very much like little house on the prairie i was like laura engel wilder back in those days and um we all the fence rows we dug out we set every post we built the barn ourselves you know and so i grew up with these resourceful parents that were resourceful because they were just working people that saved their pennies and did what they could along the way until like 20 years later it's finished but now we they're leaving it so um i've just learned by observation with my parents that if you want something you have to do it yourself um because you poor and you can't afford nobody to come do it um so in in one in one hand you could look at my situation and say well he's house poor he's created a situation where he can't afford to go do anything because all his money is tied up in his home but i don't see it that way at all i see it as you're I a young man who owns a home and has a beautiful, yeah. a beautiful amount of space and a beautiful large backyard. I mean, like these, those are impressive um, achievements, I think, for someone so young, especially in this day and age. Well, and I, I have to agree. Like I, I see other friends of mine that they made their priorities a little differently in in the way they aligned them and yeah mine were mine was cocaine and alcohol and and vagina yeah most and mine was square square footage and hardwood floors which i would take all day every day now if i could roll back the time god Uh, which is another reason why i never went for the vagina because it is a slippery slope it's a trap metaphorically and and physically physically yeah i'm talking about the teeth down there and um i just like the idea if i could get away with calling um you know a woman's vagina a slippery slope i don't know if that would you know last night she showed me that could be the new terminology you know last night Mm -hmm. i traversed a pretty slippery slope (laughs) how slippery very slippery rocky as well craggy it was craggy (laughs) and see now we're in that part of the of the description of it that always throws me like i i the fact I learned not too long ago that it has a suction quality to it. That once you insert yourself there, it hangs on. Yeah. I don't I don't like that. It's like actually a lot of animals, you know, once once the penis goes inside that they, they clamp in or the the penis curls yeah. splays out to hold itself in. Like cats' penises are barbed, aren't they? So that barbed. the cat can't run around. Yeah. yeah. That's a, a duck's a duck's penis looks like a little corkscrew noodle. Nice. Piggies have those as well, don't they? Don't they have like a little curly? No. Like their tail is curly and so is their penis a little bit. They have a curled penis. I've never seen a piggy penis. But... Pig's penis, yeah. Little curly, I think. Little curly, that's what we could call that. That's that's what you, if you get a, a pig in your in your home farm, call him, call little, cur- little, call him little curly, yeah. Like okay. a rapper, but L I L apostrophe, like a little, like, a, right. like, a, like a trap rapper. And Christians will think it's about the tail. Exactly. It's not. It's definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's another reason why I just sort of have always steered clear of the vagine. Were you always um were you accepted as being a gay man in your community when you were younger? Was it was it a hard thing to be? No. I mean I was that wasn't an option to be a gay man. Like I I um, knew always what I was, even if I didn't know what to call it. But at the same time, I knew that it was not allowed and that it was completely against God's wishes. And so then I, I knew two things as a kid. One was it was not allowed, but the other was if you just go to God and ask 
for something to be taken off of your heart or whatever he would if it wasn't supposed to be there. And so I was in this conflict always of like asking and pleading and begging if this isn't supposed to be for me, then why am I still dealing with it? What is the test here? And the answer finally came as shut the fuck up. I put you here for a reason. And the reason is I made you that way. And you're supposed to be an example to all these people who don't have, don't have the capacity to open their own mind up to allow that into their life. And that's what I've done. Um, not, not overtly, but that's, that's sort of my contribution is that it's not like, Hey, Hey, look at me. It's more like we love Cody. And so if we love him, it must be something that we're, that we need to get through and, and get over. Um, but see, I was raised in a vacuum of like racism and homophobia. It was just like all the things that you think about negatively when you think about the South. I, it was all around me, everywhere I went. Right. Like my hometown, the black people lived behind Pizza Hut. And I, I never even thought that was a, like a segregation. It didn't, it didn't occur to me ever that that was weird that all the black people lived behind pizza hut. I just thought that's where they lived. And I say, you know, they I like pizza there. apparently. I mean, yeah. And I liked it too. And so, I mean, I, I would go sing over there at, at their church and, and it just, it never, I, I never had the racist chip, even though I should have, it was all around me. I, I was, I was destined to have it, but from the youngest age, I just couldn't get down with that. And I think it might be because of the gay thing. Like how you already I, knew, you already knew something that you yeah. were that you were completely out of control of being. Right. That you knew wasn't wrong in your heart of hearts was so demonized. That you were like, well, if these people have this color skin and they're being demonized in the same way and they have no control over the color of their skin, maybe they feel like I feel. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. And actually, this is the outside world's issue rather than our issue. Yeah, it was very much like working through this um, Alice in Wonderland con social construct that was all around me that right. I was that I was that I was born into but trying to like find all the, the windows out of it. Like, wait a minute. I love Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I love everything Whoopi Goldberg does. So I that mean, must mean. She's a wonderful woman. And that, but that's how, like as a little kid, that's how I crawled out of that. Um, was just to hang on to the things I knew. And I knew Whoopi Goldberg was good. And so. There you go. We could talk about that for four days. I think it's like it's 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 education, you know. And I don't by education, I don't mean, um, uh, you know, book smart, going into school, being educated in that way. I think it's like my parents were, even though they're both white, you know, they're not. My mum's Macedonian, but she's still got white skin, yeah. you know. Um, we were brought up to love travel and culture and thinking about different people and meeting different people. And my area was incredibly multicultural. So I grew up with a lot of black kids and Bangladeshi kids and Indian kids. But I think the education I received at home was, uh, my parents never sat down and went, don't be a fucking racist or, you know, because my dad grew up in a quite a racist area, like East London, there was a mixture where he lived Everyone was poor, so everyone bonded over the mm -hmm. fact they were poor, whether they were black, white, brown, it didn't matter. But there was still a bit of racism, you know, there was still a, a, a probably mm -hmm. a large amount of racism. Um, my dad even had like you know a couple of little phrases that he would say that he didn't realize. I don't even think he mm. knew they were like right. just racist words. But now, if you said those words, people would be like, Holy fucking shit, you must be like, you know. You gotta be a pretty right. racist guy, and my dad's my dad's not. And it's 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 weird to um to think back to hearing those words and sort of knowing in my heart, heart all right, well that doesn't sound like I I don't hear my buddies call themselves that, so I'm sure that's not a word. And I'm not saying like the n word. My dad never used the n word or anything like that, mm -hmm. you know. But terminology that would be like 
considered soft racial terminology. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I, but but they still educated me to go meet different people, and it doesn't really matter what anyone looks like or what they're like, or whether they're gay or they're straight or they're black or they're white. Like, if they're a piece of shit, they're a piece of shit. If they're a nice person, they're a nice person. That was my education. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you start exploring a bit further out and you travel and you do different things, you know, you, you start to see that firsthand and go, oh, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm the, 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 the strange looking foreigner in someone else's land and these people being nice right. to me. And some people are looking at me like calling me a fucking, you know, a honky or a white piece of shit or whatever. You know, I can see that or a British, whatever. I, I'm just experiencing mm-hmm. the racism and xenophobia. And I think a lot of people in America... Uh, white people in America, a lot of white people Mm -hmm. in America are never afforded the opportunity to even meet people of a different race, let alone engage with them, get to know them, learn and empathize about the similar struggles they might have with these people. Um, And that's, that's what I think a lot of the institutionalized racism, racism in this country comes from is that, that concept of a, a, a lack of desire to mingle and learn, you know? Right. Well, and I grew, you know, where I'm from, poor didn't have anything to do. Like, you weren't going to band together just because you were poor. Really? Okay. There was still, and and I've always had this conflict as an adult of, I truly love the South, down to the humidity of it. I yeah. like the South. I love the pace of the South. I like the way we talk. I like the way we eat, mostly even though I'm a vegetarian now. Um, But I still love the community that happens. But then, like, behind the fence of all that beauty, there is this ugly, terrible thing that's still around. And for a long time, I thought, well, I'm just going to be the one that, you know, only talks about the good parts about the South. And eventually, that'll go away. But with the way Trump and the Republicans have shaped the political, you know, landscape to fuel that sort of us and them conversation. Yeah, that kind of mentality has has been created a platform for all of these fuckers to just come out of the woodwork and be proud of that ugliness and now i don't now i feel like you've got to strap on um i said strap on and thought of all these other things but you've got me me too i was was waiting to see where you went with that i was like (laughs) strap on you've got to put on your your big girl panties and get out there and say what needs to be said and that's how i feel right now you know i agree with that i think having a political voice is important i mean I, i just put a tweet out the other day though um yesterday i believe and and it was about i i you know i've always been um when i was younger i was incredibly left-wing as i've mm-hmm. matured and grown a bit older and watched what's happened in the political spectrum over the last decade i've become i consider myself like a left-leaning moderate now simply mm-hmm. because all of the things that i abhorred about the right and the far right in particular um mm-hmm. I see so much of that hatred and vitriol now in the far left. And they're no better. Neither of those people are any better than each other. You know, categorizing everyone. Like you say, you love certain parts of the South and you understand its beauty. And and you also see some of the failings from institutionalized elements of it. Mm -hmm. And, And it's the same thing I see in politics. I go, look, I don't think everyone on the right is a racist or a xenophobe or a, or a mm-hmm. piece of shit. There's people who are just right at center who are very well-balanced individuals and maybe just have a slightly more conservative outlook on life. And that's okay. That's good. That's good. We need mm-hmm. people like that. We need to have those conversations. We need to have people with differing idea ideologies. But I, of course, seeing, you know, absolute fucking lunatics strapping on ARs to their body and covering their faces and walking around with the Confederate flag and marching into government buildings with fucking yeah. assault weapons and going, ah, God damn, you gotta open this shit up and fucking blah, 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 and the blacks are doing this and blah. Those people are fucking lunatics. But mm-hmm. 
with equal um, frustration, I watch people in the very far left, you know, whether it's Antifa um, turning uh, what could be peaceful uh, free speech protests, whether they're from the right or not, into 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 violent uh, escapades mm-hmm. on the streets or uh, SJWs virtue signaling, pretending that they have they have everyone's interest at heart when in reality all they're really pursuing is their own validation. Um, right. without really any facts or support for, for what's right and what's good, morally and ethically good. Um, I just can't stand any of this vitriol anymore. So I sit myself, you know, as a, as a left-leaning moderate and just hope that the, the normal, not normal, the balanced and commonsensical members of society on both the left and the right of centre will be able to at some point reclaim... Well, because the they always yeah. have so far they always have have they uh, i don't know i feel like over the last 50 years we've been now there well i'm, to be I'm in before kind of, that it's now it now mm-hmm. seems to just be flip-flopping from far left to far yeah. right to far left to far right and I, I, I we those 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 moderates or those left-leaning or right-leaning moderates need to really come together and that's uh, it's never going to happen with a bipartisan you know right well, that's what I found situation. so fascinating about the show that's on FX, Miss America. I think y'all have been watching a little bit of that. But um, they're starting to introduce in the 70s when the whole whisperings of Reagan coming in mm-hmm. and how they were going to ignite the evangelical, like, um, uh, what's the word? the evangelical mission statement, they were going to try to weave that into their political leanings because at that time you had Republicans who worked with Democrats who were like, no, we're not, that's crazy. We're not going to talk to those people. And then they just, it was like this grassroots whispering thing that just sort of crept in and became what it is now. And to look, to know where we are now and then to look back and see where it started. Um, it really is, I don't want to say scary, but you got you to gotta look at it for what it is and know that in order to defeat that, we've got to have more of us, like you're saying, more moderates that are going to toe the line in the middle come together and, and not let the Republican Party be so, um, let the whole mission statement be dictated by that, that side. You know what we need? We need you to work out all of the Republican or the or the more conservative elements of politics that you agree with. We need you to run for 2024 as the okay. first gay, openly gay Republican candidate. Win. What 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 Republican things would I agree with right now? I don't know. I, I look. For instance, I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a I'm an immigrant myself in this country, and yet I do mm-hmm. think border control is an important thing for countries. I think I think I think uh, safe and legal immigration is an important thing for a country. Safe and legal immigration, I definitely uh, agree with. Yeah. So uh, now I don't believe in throwing kids in cages or kicking people out of a country they've lived in for 30 mm-hmm. years as a decent member of society. I mean, if there's people here legally working and doing, uh, you know, in investing in this country. They should be allowed mm-hmm. to be here and maintain their lives here. If they have children who were born here, they should be able to be here. But yeah, also you know, tightening up border control. That's a, that's that's something that I that I agree with. Um, I do I, mm-hmm. I do I believe in the ownership of automatic rifles? Not in any way, shape, or form. No. Do I think the complete removal of guns is 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 ever going to happen in this country? No. And I, I no. You know. So 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 even on the gun control, gun control needs to be uh, stricter rules, but. Is gun ownership still a, a, a legal? Should that still be legal? Yes, I believe that, and it's it's finding that balance. You know, it's finding that balance. I I, I used to be ah, everyone needs to give the guns up and let everyone come into the country and blah blah blah. And now I'm going nah, okay, no no no. There needs to be some some rules. New Zealand is a country that seems to be doing some wonderful things. I mean, they they have a female female prime minister. Is that uh, is that a coincidence? I doubt it. I, I don't mean, think so. I think there's a woman there who understands the importance of protecting her country. So immigration is very tight into New Zealand. You can only get into that country like my sister and my brother-in-law did. You can only, uh, not brother-in-law, uh, my yeah, my brother-in-law, my sister and my brother-in-law only go into that country because they had to spend a couple of years 
getting together the the paperwork to prove that they're decent members of society who are, are, are carrying out jobs that New Zealand requires that workforce. You know, my sister's a teacher and they needed to an, an influx of teachers there, et cetera, et cetera. And they worked to get into a country, to give to that country what that country needed. And as a return, they are now afforded healthcare and the benefits and the support of a country. You know, the the Prime Minister just outlawed uh, semi-automatic weapons and automatic weapons in the country, countrywide. However, yeah. you know, single-fire pistols are allowed. You know, so it seems there's some good balance there, which is probably why they were hit with COVID incredibly lightly and had about five deaths. And then it's, exactly. it's, it's done now. It's well, done. You know? I, I told my parents, it's odd that you mentioned that, because I told my parents um, before COVID, when Trump was just too much that if he won again that would mean that there were more of them than there are of us and that i would have to leave the country and that i would be going to new zealand so i need you to have your sister send me the playbook (laughs) i didn't know this about you or i would have already brought it up is that is that is that really what you would do though would you would you not stick around I, i i look at it like i think like, look, I think Trump is an abhorrent cunt. That's that's my opinion, and that's not because of his him being a Republican or being a Republican no. president. It's because I think he is he's a horrendous. Not even a Republican. He's, he's no, he's not. You're right, and he certainly shit. doesn't uphold any of the Christian values that a lot of the people who voted him in profess to believe in. Mm-mm. However, um, if he did get reelected, which I think at this stage looks incredibly likely to me, I knew he was going to get elected last time, and I think he's going to get reelected. Uh, if he d- no, I'm I'm being honest. Here's the deal, Cody. You got to like face reality, and then. But here's here's what I think. If he does get reelected, he will have four more years that we would get through in the same way that we got through the last four. And we, it's it's the responsibility of balanced, decent people who see the fucking bullshit of of poor policies, um, of uh, 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 unpresidential candidates, of of uh, of fake news on both sides of the mm-hmm. camp. You know. It's the it's the job. If you want to be a part of a society, it's your job to support that society. And I think personally, I would stay here because I, I wanna I wanna help make the change to make things better. And I would if everyone who goes, Oh well fucking Trump's awful and I'm a liberal and I'm gonna fucking leave the country I, I mean, then you're giving up on a country because right. they've elected no, scumbags for me, to be a boss. Unionize rather than leave because the boss is a piece of shit. Do you know what I'm saying? I totally get that. But if – so they've been they've been um, packing the courts with lifetime appointments. Him, him and McConnell, have that's been their one mission behind the scene. And they – if they keep control of the Senate and they keep control of the presidency – then that means I feel like a generation of progress is lost mm-hmm. and the what they will have done in that time will start to chip away at someone like me, my, my freedoms and rights. I think they'll start reversing those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we'll be getting closer to Handmaid's Tale than I want to get. Do, but do you think um, society is that far gone that, for instance, if he had another four years, they could uh, undo gay marriage rights. Or I do or, think so. You think that's something they go after? Yeah. Well, that's what that's what. Because I think it's about money as- rather than progress. It's about money for for that particular well, for this particular president and a, and a lot of people in his cabinet. It's never been about changing policy. It's been about making it infinite easy, infinitely easier for him to continue making money on the side completely illegally, which he shouldn't be doing, but also to ensure that when he's out of presidency, he's going to make bank. Like, that's, I think, what it's all about. No, that's for sure the the motive, but that's not McConnell's motive. And the pink pound and is the, strong, as you well know. And, and the people that um, allow him to stay in office in the Republican Party are doing it so they can push that conservative agenda. That's their whole plan. Right. And so I just feel like it would be too late to try to leave when it's too late to try to leave. Does that make sense? Um, No, not to me, because I think if you wanted to go, 
no one would stop you. This country is not a country, it's a business. The people who live here are citizens. And I, I've always said this, I love America and I love a lot mm -hmm. of American people. I think there's some wonderful people in this, in this country and some really interesting people. But they're not mm -hmm. supported by a country. They are employees of a business, a giant business, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's why everyone's living hand to mouth and paycheck to paycheck and have credit card bills through the fucking ass. I mean, that's just, that's, that's right. what it's created. But I think there's ways to change that as time goes on. And I certainly don't Why think... did your sister and her husband go to New Zealand? Um, a couple of reasons. One, I think she wanted to get away from my parents. My parents were uh, finalizing their, their divorce at that point and were very much using her as a go-between. And she was, she was taking on a huge amount of the misery or that they weren't able to process themselves. So she wanted to get the fuck out. Secondly, mm -hmm. um, you know, she was living in a, in a, they were living in a, a reasonably okay, but one bedroom apartment on the, in the suburbs of London for a certain amount of money. And for the same amount of money, they could own a three bedroom house with a mountain behind it and a huge right. back garden in a beautiful sunshiny place, you know? So, why are we here when we could be there kind of thing, you know? And, and they made, right. they made that move. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just see the, um, the, the, for, for me as well, that I think one of the bigger, bigger issues with, 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 with the U S is we forget that the current U S population, I'm not talking about the native people who were here prior to my right. four, my forefathers coming over and fucking things up. <clears throat> the, the current state of America is an incredibly young country. It hasn't worked right. out yet. It's like an impetuous teenager, you know? That's why there's so much of a hoorah of like, yeah, America number one. It's like, yeah, if it comes to child obesity or, you know, or, or mm -hmm. teenage pregnancies or gun deaths per year, you're absolutely number one. But when it comes to everything else, <laughs> you're down the list, motherfucker. You're behind the time. Yeah, uh -huh. but you could be because you are such a big force and such a big presence, you could be number one in so many ways. And that's that's what i see here i see opportunity for this country to grow into a beautiful country rather than existing as a capitalist corporate structured business which is mm -hmm. i mean these are these are facts the three groups of people who came to the us to settle it were uh, puritanical uh, religious zealots who thought that the pope was too fucking lenient so they came to mm -hmm. Amer the new americas to restart the word of god in the right way um and you still see that today. Uh, slave owners who uh, were no longer able to own slaves or operate in Europe because we had progressed enough by, you know, thousands of years into our history to be able to go, this mm -hmm. is wrong and we should stop doing this. Uh, so they came to America to do that. And then the, uh, the third were people who believed in capitalism, uh, which by definition in the original writing of that manifesto states that the only way a capitalist society can work is if the governance of that country or that society is entirely to the letter only focused on the benefits of the citizens of that country. It cannot in any way, shape or form be uh, mixed into the business element of the capitalist structure. It has to be for the people where, whilst the business is for the business and for the money. Mm -hmm. And that's how capitalism works. And unfortunately, what happened is a load of capitalists came to America and went, we'll be the government as well. <laughs> so now, you know, what are you going to do? It started out with the train lines. It started out with the oil barons. And it started out with the slave owners. And then that has now spread and permeated over only a few hundred years. And that's the point. It's a few hundred years old. Whereas Right. When you look at it that way, um, the youth of the place really shows yeah, because well, we um, had to go through Grecians and Romans and Macedonian right. empires. We had to go through multiple thousand-year-long empires to reach a state. But I mean, look at England. Eng England's barely any better than America now in a, in a lot of its political right. um, choices and 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 capitalist structures. You know, so so it's 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 you know it's it's I I believe that it upsets me in a similar way that it upsets you. But my reaction to that is. People who see that and want people in this country to be treated properly, every American mm -hmm. to be treated properly, have to stay here because without those voices, you'll only have the fucking lunatics on both the far right and the far left running around going, nah, tear them all down, burn them. They're all fucking assholes to each other. And and, and that's, right. that's what's bringing around civil, uh, civil unrest, you know? 
See what I'm well, asking? I'm texting your sister tomorrow. I don't care what you say. Okay, you can. I'll hook her up with you. Listen, we got to wrap here. I love that we went through <laughs> yeah. such a, a myriad of different subjects. I knew as we well. would. I knew we would. Two bright young men, talented, mm-hmm. culturally adept. What are we going to expect? Um, what I want my viewers to know is exactly how they can find all your music. What's coming up for you? What are the plans over the next uh, six months to a year? Do we have? Uh, understandably, COVID has put a bit of a span in the works for everyone. But I know that you're working mm-hmm. on new music right now. Correct. Yeah, I was just talking to a producer before I got on the phone with you. Um, I'm about to, I think, put out a single about, um, it's totally out of nowhere. Um, this whole shooting of, of, of Ahmad um, two months ago has really fucked me up. And I had to write about it because Nina Simone said, if you're an artist, you have to reflect the times. And so... I wrote this song just sort of about what it feels like to be a white person, <laughs> which is that no one ever looks at you funny ever. And oh yeah, um, I don't get followed around the right age. No one follows me around the right age. No, and um, and that needs to be said, I think, to white people. Like, hey, pay attention to what privilege looks like. And so um, I think we're gonna maybe fast track that. Okay, to, awesome. To put it out. Um, and then after that, I have a record I've had finished for like a year and a half now that is ready to go. I'm talking to some people with some, you know, mover and shaker power about how to put that out. Um, otherwise, I'm on all of the things, iTunes, Pornhub. Um, <laughs> how can people only. find you on social media? Is it just at yeah, Cody Ballou? Yeah, it's all at Cody Ballou. And it's spelled C-O-D-Y-B-E-L-E-W. Okay, so make sure you go follow this beautiful, handsome, wonderful man. And, uh, and Well, let me know him. when there's a part in a video game for like a Southern Charmer to just be like a drug lord or something. Probably the I'd next Far Cry one. game, I imagine. They okay. normally they do a lot of that. me. Okay, Far Cry okay. 6. I'm going to hook you up. Yeah. Uh, Cody, thank you so much for joining me, man. It was lovely to speak to you. You're so welcome. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Take care, bro. Okay. Bye, man.